0: Radio.
1: What's going on, people? I would like to welcome all of you to another Q on 1 edition of the Talk to Q Radio show. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And with the Q on 1s, what I like to do is interview people. I'm very fortunate enough to have the opportunity to have this conversation, and I hope that it gives some perspective to all who listen. My guest is a police officer from the Show Me State of Missouri. Please welcome Lamar Gordon to the Talk to Q radio show. Lamar, how's it going today? Hey,
0: Q. How you doing today, my man?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on. And i got to be upfront with you. This isn't like the typical interview that I do. This is going to be much more of a conversation as opposed to a one-way discussion of just me asking questions. Now, I don't want to reveal too much about you personally because you have a career and people that you care about who don't want to see you jammed up over, you know, a podcast. So I won't dive too deep into your background, upbringing, and all that stuff. I'll try to keep the focus on the here and now of what's going on in America, and we can just discuss and you can give your opinions, all right?
0: That oh, sounds good to me.
1: Okay, so let's start here. And this is a just a tough question right off the bat. Why do you think that police officers are unliked and or disrespected in a lot of communities of color?
0: You know, it's not even about communities of color, but I will I will get to that as well. I think that police officers are disliked mostly because, I mean, very simply, they represent punishment. I mean, if you look at what a lot of policing has been, throughout the course of American history, a lot of it is very punitive. So, you know, the cop pulls you over and you get a speeding ticket. The police officer comes to your house and somebody receives a citation. You know, I think a lot of police work has been reduced to punitive measures. And I think that that is what is kind of fueling a little bit of, I don't even want to say resentment, but a lot of distrust and dislike in law enforcement. Now, especially in the black community, I think that there are things that have been done by law enforcement and the black community that have not really been addressed. Um, most notably, I think the, uh, the war on drugs with an extremely heavy handed response to drug epidemics with, with an, and then with a heavy response to um, those individuals obviously leaving our jail system uh, as we aged into more of the late uh, 2000s. It, it, it just became a boiling point, I think, for a lot of for a lot of the citizens of uh, of our society. Because my point number two of this is, they don't know how law enforcement works. Um, when law enforcement's not punitive, or when law enforcement, well, unfortunately, has to be punitive, I think that a lot of society doesn't understand, you know, uh, rights, and they don't understand what it is law enforcement has to do and when, what enforcement what law enforcement has the option to do. So I think that there's a lot of disconnect between our police and our citizens. I think that that's drawing distrust and a little bit of disdain. Okay,
1: and, and that makes a lot of sense. At some point we have to figure out some kind of way to bridge that gap because it's definitely growing farther apart. And you know, growing up my parents taught me to respect everyone in authority. That could be anyone from a police officer to a teacher. However, I was taught, like many children of color, how to try and prevent any type of misunderstanding when it comes to police officers that can lead to me being harmed. Do you think that those teachings today are non-existent? that people aren't really teaching their children how to respect authority and try to help avoid, you know, unwanted incidents?
0: You know, I'll start here um as a child i was taught these things and this isn't a race thing you know i have uh white friends who are taught these things i have white friends who teach their kids these things um there's a certain way to interact i believe with law enforcement and i'll teach my son i have a i have a two-year-old son but i'll teach my son these things um there's a certain way you interact with law enforcement because you know on the law enforcement side because i have the special privilege of of seeing both sides of the world you know i i grew up in um in a very a very poor neighborhood whenever i grew up and i saw a lot of police interactions and i was involved in a lot of police interactions and you know i learned through experience unfortunately and kind of the hard way how to interact with law enforcement but you know as being law enforcement there are things that i now understand that you know police officers are randomly attacked that police officers um, you know, for us, it can go from being pleasant conversation to, oh, my God, what's happening? Why, are we, why is this guy fighting me? So I believe when you have a society of law enforcement officers, especially in 2020, that are kind of nervous about, you know, does this person like my profession? Is this going to get me hurt? I think that there's a way to interact with them. So like I, like I was taught, you know, hands on 10 and 2. Right. Make sure they can see your. Make sure whoever stops you can see your hands. Um, when you're going to reach for something, you want to tell you want to tell the officer, "Hey, insurance is in the glove box. I have my wallet, my front right pocket, has my ID in it. Can I get it?" Make sure they shine their light on you. You know, there's just certain ways that I believe the interactions should go, and some people believe that that should need to be done. And while I, you know, I kind of actually respect that opinion. You know, I mean, I guess to either Unfortune or fortune We should teach our children these things And I think that They're not being taught today I think that You know, I don't think this was even true five years ago But I think as we've gone from uh, Mike Brown into now So as we've gone from 2016 into 2020 I believe it's 2016 Correct me if I'm wrong on that date Um,
1: Um, Might have been 2015 But that's close Somewhere around there Yeah but since
0: we've gone from the Mike Brown incident to you know two thousand uh, to twenty twenty, I believe that it's taught less how to deal properly with law enforcement and taught more how to kind of combat them with your knowledge of rights and This is something I've noticed in my career and not that I don't think people should understand their rights and that, you know I think it's my things that their rights have been violated, they should definitely ask or the question or they should record the uh, interaction and then they should they should take that up with the proper individuals. However, I think that it's gone from being uh, inquisitive to being combative, if that makes sense. I understand,
1: but I, I do have to play devil's advocate here. Of course. Is the reason why there is so much, I guess, angst against the police department from people of color is because it appears that white people get to act a certain way and still be okay, whereas opposed to black people or people of color act the same way, and it can result in something tragic. Yeah, I
0: can, I can speak to that. You know, for for that, I, I kind of do have to disagree. Um, I don't think that, that white people get to act one way and black people get attacked another. And a lot of the, if you want to go with, like, police shootings, a lot of those numbers do suggest that that, that isn't happening. Um, Actually... In 2019, there were uh, double the amount of white individuals interacting with police who, as, when things escalated to being use of deadly force, were actually shot. Um, so I don't think that black people who at it a certain way and then white people look at it a certain way. A higher majority, or there's a higher number of white individuals, so those interactions that end well are probably going to be also a higher majority as well, but... If you look at the numbers, there's actually more resistings with police in white communities, and especially uh, more poor white communities than there are in communities of color. All
1: right, and I do agree that um, there are probably more incidents against white people. I mean, they, they do represent the majority of the country, so I don't know that statistic is skewed or not. But I understand the point that you're you're making, and I do think sometimes. Finances do make a difference. In the poor communities, there are going to be more incidents than more so in affluent communities. So I can see why people being affected in poor communities as well. But all right, so we, we we've mentioned police shootings and and things of that nature. How do you view protesting as a police officer? Are, are you are you okay with it? Do you wish that it just wouldn't go on? What's your take on protesting?
0: My take on protesting is. I'm fine with it. Actually, I'm completely 100% behind the Constitution. If you wish to demonstrate, I think that every American should exercise that right. Um, because honestly, nothing's going to change if you don't voice your if you don't voice that you're unhappy, right? How do you make anything change in any relationship? You need to talk to the person that you're in this relationship with, and if that's the government, then you need to protest. You know, where where things turn for me is when I start seeing. Um, you know, I start seeing these things live on Facebook, these things going live on YouTube, and I can start seeing the change in the tide of the protest. And I'm not always saying it's the people who initially started the protest. You know, I'm uh, I'm aware of the fact that there are outside entities uh, entities that enter these protests just to cause disturbances. But where it starts to turn for me, where I uh, where I have to start to disapprove, is I start seeing buildings getting smashed. And I started seeing people being attacked. And I started seeing people throwing Molotov cocktails at law enforcement. You know, um, I know that I believe it was the person for Chicago stated that, you know, looting is okay, because these are part of reparations. And for me, you know, looting is never okay. Um, and and I guess, you know, I, I do have to I do have to kind of concede the fact that, I mean, if you're going to loot like a Walgreens or like a Walmart, yes, they can replace their, they can replace their things. Right. I I understand that. And I understand that that's a multi-billion dollar corporation, but for a lot of these places, the places Mm -hmm. getting hit are mom and pop who can't replace that. You know, it's, it's first time business owner, second time business owner who can't afford the insurance hit and can't afford to rebuild. And it's people's life savings. And especially, you know, we saw this, especially in New York, targeting businesses that are black-owned, destroying black-owned businesses. So for me, you know, protesting is okay. Looting and smashing and the, you know, the, the assaulting of law enforcement, that for me isn't okay. Because uh, where was it? Q, I believe it was Kenosha. When uh, when when the show, I think it's Jacob Blake and Kenosha. Yeah, I was watching it on Twitter. Uh
1: uh-huh. um,
0: It wasn't it wasn't live, but um, I, I was watching a video and a and a brick came out of nowhere and hit this law enforcement officer in the back of the head, in a sense, yeah, and essentially he, I saw he that. ended up. Yeah, and then he went to the ICU and he was he was in a coma. He's I think I think he's recovering, but he's still you know unconscious. And for me. When I saw that and I saw the comments and people were cheering, you know, strike back into the system, you know, for me, I'm like, well, what'd that guy do? You know, that that guy walked around in an SUV and handed out some water and he got hit with a brick. I mean, that's somebody's dad. I mean, that's somebody's husband. Um, That's somebody's son. I mean, for me, you know, I, I think, I think we'd be careful when we go from protest to, I don't want to use the term rioting. I think that's a, I think that term has been used real loose recently, but when things are getting dangerous. Okay. And I,
1: I, I definitely frown against any type of violent retaliation like that, because like you said, this is a police officer who, you know, is doing his job and he gets randomly selected to get hit. And like you said, it does impact his family And, you know, that's someone's dad or granddad or or whatever. I mean, by the same token, I I want people to feel the same way for someone like Breonna Taylor, who is someone's daughter or sister or, you know, a loved one who also suffered from something random. You know, so I think it it goes both ways and people need to, to keep focus on that. And that's something I want people in authority to focus on, just like we as citizens need to focus on what happened to this guy, because that was definitely something unfortunate.
0: You know, and I think a big thing for law enforcement is calling a ball a ball and a strike a strike, right? And I think that's also really big for citizens. Um, you know, with, with Breonna Taylor, I kind of think that I think that the defense of that was loose, and I think that, like I said, in law enforcement, when you mess up, you just own it. Like, doubtly we messed up. That got botched, and something went wrong. Um, and when something you know, when something kind of like I – I don't know if you've seen it, the, the Lancaster, Pennsylvania shooting. When something like Lancaster happens, then we need to call a strike a strike, right? You know, obviously, when you have a video of a knife-wielding suspect charging out of a house at a law enforcement officer, the officer's running away, the man's chasing him, and the officer has to shoot him. I mean, that, that to me – I call that a strike. That's, that to me is reasonable. You know, if somebody's chasing you with a knife, and you're like, this guy's going to catch up to me and probably hurt me. If you're an armed citizen, I mean, you're going to do what you need to do. Um, but I think we need to also call ball a ball. If it, if it's bad, then I think we need to own it. You know, I think law enforcement needs to own when they make these mistakes and when these things go wrong. And then, you know, I know no one wants to hear the rioting, no one wants to hear the screaming, but you got to just own. You have to just own up to it. You just say, hey, I know why you're mad. We're gonna do an investigation. These guys are not on the street anymore. You know we're gonna. You no know, charges are being pressed, and we're gonna let the the court system work that out because that was wrong. And you call ball ball.
1: I, I agree. The the situation in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, with Ricardo Munoz uh, Munoz. I think that anybody who thinks that wasn't justified is just upset with law enforcement. I, I don't think there's anyone on the planet who would not have shot that guy in that situation because that video is terrifying with the man running towards the cop with a knife and the cop was trying to get away and he had he had no choice in that situation I agree with you a hundred percent and I think that part of the biggest problem is that when when citizens kill someone whether it's intentional or not we tend to go to jail whereas police officers you know they get suspended if anything um, but a lot of times they don't lose their job and it definitely seems very rare that they actually do jail time behind it. And again, I think that's part of the reason there is so much distrust. And I think people would have a would feel better about situations. Well, you're never going to feel good if your loved one loses their life, tragically. But you would feel a little better if there was some kind of ownership. But uh, we were talking about protesting and we talked about, you mentioned the word rioting. Do you think that the media, television, radio, social media, do you think that's the reason why people think that rioting it's synonymous to protesting because it's almost like protesting is a bad word because everyone assumes there's going to be some type of violence behind or eluding.
0: Oh man, Q, Are you sure you want to get me started on the media? We we want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, let's I, do it. I think that the media has been extremely foul on both, for both sides of this, uh, as we've kind of, you know, since George Floyd um, the media has done its absolute best to paint protesters in the absolute worst light. And to me, that's extremely sad. I think that the media has taken it upon itself to take the exactly right angles at the exactly right time to make pro to make protesters appear to be violent. I think that the media has taken those angles to make law enforcement look violent. And I think they're doing it all in the name of ratings. And I think that it's driving a wedge between you know, law enforcement in between the citizens, because people watch what? They watch big media. They watch CNN. They're watching Fox. These things are playing all the time. They're watching, you know, well, at least where I live, ABC. Um, But, you know, and and I think that the media has really, really done a, a, a terrible job. One, I think the media has done a really bad job reporting, you know, reporting with law enforcement. Um, You know, I'll go back to Lancaster very quickly. You know, with Lancaster, I was I I watched I listened to CNN and I heard the headline: uh, white cop shoots mentally ill black man. And they 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 don't say anything else. It is, all they tell you is that an officer went to a guy's house for a domestic call and shot him. And, and I'm like, well, that's 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 literally a third of what has that's literally not what happened. Um, but then similarly, you you see things in New York where you know, peaceful protests turn rioters start burning and shooting at police. And then you look up the protests of that day and it was a candlelight vigil where they walked for three city blocks and stood in the middle of the street and and chanted their slogan. I'm like, it, it just feels like the media is lying to the American people. And for me, not only as a citizen, but as law enforcement, that's very disheartening because I think that they're making it dangerous for everyone else. They're making it very, very dangerous. They're making it to where, you know, they're making it to where ordinary citizens who aren't really interested in protesting are law enforcement and BLM as, the, as both of these, like, violent groups going up against each other, some type of weird civil war. And it's just, it's, for me, it's just not happening that way.
1: You're right. It is it is making it tougher on everyone. When the Munoz story came out, like you said, the first thing I saw was cop shoots black man, you know, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania or something like that. And then I read the article and I saw that, you know, I read, saw the video and I'm like, OK, well, I kind of understood what happened here. However, most people aren't going to read the article. They're just going to see the headline and think that another Black person got shot. And I'm not 100% that Ricardo Munoz is black either, to be honest with you. Maybe he's um, of mixed heritage, but um, I I thought that he was Puerto Rican. But again, the headlines don't care. They just want, and no, 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 I'm just saying the headlines don't care. They just want the clickbait. They just want people to look and react and they do an an awesome job of that, but unfortunately, the people that suffer are family and the people involved, as well as the officers who, from the jump, you know, they're already looked at as the bad guys, and in this particular case, I, I think that the shooting was justified based on what I've seen. Now, I understand the guy was having um, a psychotic episode. He was bipolar. However, I mean, you know, you can't expect a cop to be a therapist or anything. Sometimes you got to you know have these type of unfortunate endings. So in situations like that I definitely think that the media in most cases rather I think that the media makes things so much worse. Something that probably could be talked about and maybe wait for all the evidence to come out and things of that nature instead of them doing that because they're on TV 24 hours and have to fill the airwaves with content, they just throw out what they think they know or what maybe they heard someone say, and it ends up not being true. But at that point you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. You know, the misinformation is out there and it makes it harder for everyone.
0: You know, my whole thing is this, no one's calling balls and strikes for the media. So when the media gets it wrong, they just get it wrong. And whatever their consequences are, you know, whatever aftermath that causes, we have to, we as a citizens have to then just suffer through that. No one, they don't issue apologies. They don't issue corrections. No one's, really, um, no one's really calling them out on a bigger level. And then on top of that, there's, the, you know, I think the media does a snapshot, and then we move on. There is no more on the ground what's going on in journalism, at least not at the bigger level, right? So I saw this a lot during uh, Jacob Blake. Okay, so Jacob, when Jacob Blake hit uh, that one, actually hit my inbox on Facebook, and I had a friend of mine said, "Dude, look at this," and I watched it. Now my first reaction was, "That's bad. Like that's not a that's not okay." And the media ran the initial clip, you know, of the officer, you know, grabbing them by the arm, and he's getting in the car, and then you hear the shots. That's the clip that ran. That clip ran for three days, and it ran back to back on mainstream twenty-four hour, you know news and then I found a clip on Twitter not even really digging, just kinda if you if you just looked at the top at the top post, there was a new video. And I clicked, I said, Oh what's this? And it shows um it shows Mr Blake on the ground with these two law enforcement officers. Looks like they're fighting. And so my question becomes why are we on the ground with law enforcement? <laughs> when I see that, I have a lot of questions. How do we get here? What's going on? Why are we here? Why are we not in handcuffs or complying? Um, not that I'm saying he's there to get shot in the back. I'm just saying those are the questions I have. And to me, it seems that the media, I didn't see that clip come out of the media. I didn't see those questions start to form pendant um, journalists. And for me, things like that are a letdown. When I, when I start to notice that no one's following up. It's just snapshot, snapshot, snapshot. Move on. Same thing with the Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha. It, you know the story ran as uh, white supremacist teen shoots black men, which actually was it, that that to me was very egregious, and I think that they should have learned from the Sandman incident that 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 not only thinking those people he shot were black. <laughs> But, the, but there's no follow-up is what I'm saying.
1: And even if they do decide to print some type of correction, it's like on the very back page under the classifiers where nobody can see it. But <laughs> I, I, a lot of times we do see the same clip over and over, and we don't get to see what happened before the incident. And sometimes that you know, ev- evidence is available, but people just know that hey, it will make more people upset and drive them to our Facebook place page. Drive drive them to um, our Facebook page to complain if we just show them this and get them agitated. And so I think that the media plays a huge role in all of this. They really do. And, and like you said, there's no one to necessarily um, hold them accountable. Uh, Not enough people saying, hey, we're not going to read you anymore or watch your station anymore or anything like that. We seem to feed into it even more. Now, I want to ask you about this, because when it comes to protesting, in my opinion, regardless of how peaceful a protest is, there will usually be police there in riot gear. And I feel like if you show force and aggression, then sometimes you're met with force and aggression. The police more times than not appear to be seen as the oppo- opposition, as opposed to being the peacemakers. So is the militarization of the police departments across America sending the wrong message to people?
0: Uh, I, I have two things for that. Um, the first thing is, I understand what you're saying uh, entirely. I know where I work at, We, if they're going to protest, we all we do is we, we stop traffic. We block traffic for them. And we let them march. We let the protesters do it. We let them hold up intersections. Now we don't let them block traffic because that's how you start getting videos where drivers are running through protesters and all these disturbances. We don't, you know, so we stop traffic. We let we give them the road and we let them do the thing, and they leave. Right? They leave. Um, you know, because people only want to march for so long, especially in the dead of summer when it's a hundred degrees outside. Um, so you know, like, you know, it's easier to let people march. And to cause an inconvenience for, I think personally, for motorists, then to let things get out of hand and you start having people, you know, fighting and arguing with motorists that motorist are trying to drive through them. And but as for the police officers being out in out in Rager, I know that some cities take a different approach. Some cities like to put, you know, they put police around their courthouses. They'll put police around the precincts and. I'm very yes and no about it. I, I always like to look at well, whatever your whatever your recent protests look like. Have they gotten violent around nine o'clock at night? Have they have they gotten out of control? It, you know, or you know, I so I know some police. I'll, I know some police departments will just stage, you know, they'll stage around these things just to make sure no one goes inside. You know, the courthouse. You know, they, they don't want anybody to the courthouse for whatever reason. Um, you know, government building on the weekend can't be in there didn't want people breaking in um in in person i think that that's kind of the right of the police department because ultimately police departments work for either the city or the state and i think they're i think if they're going to protect city and state assets then i believe that they should be able to assemble and use their riot gear um not that and i know it's called riot gear uh as a jargon but not that I'm saying that those are – not that anybody's really saying that those are riots. It's just kind of the slang for, you know, the, you know, the get up, uh, if you, if, as you will. Um, but, you know, or some cities call it civil disobedience. Some cities call it other stuff. But, you know, if you're going to – I think that yeah, – I think the police officers and police department has kind of the right to say, well, you guys can protest, but just in case anybody in your outfit becomes unruly. We're just going to have a couple of guys outside of our precinct, have a couple of guys outside the courthouse, a couple of guys outside of, you know, whatever state building, historical building that they wish to preserve or protect. Um, And, you know, I've seen a lot of protests, even online, where citizens walk right by the police. The police have their shields and they're standing in front of the courthouse. And, you know, the course, they yell at the police a little bit and the police don't engage and you know, everything's peaceful. But I do have to ask you a question. I actually have to ask you a question, though. Uh, what do you mean by the militarization of police?
1: And when I say that, I mean sometimes, well, of course, the the gear itself, I guess, seems, is not very typical for a police officer, as well as some of the uh, vehicles they use. I mean, um, there's something I think called a Bearcat, which looks mm-hmm, like a yeah. military vehicle. And I know they've had incidents where, you know, they have the helicopters, um, I think, in California about two or three months ago. They had helicopters flying low over the street, and it just—it looks like something out of Black Hawk Down, you know—a um, a military movie. It does. It doesn't look like police officers at all. It looks like some type of special force that's been brought in to crack heads, essentially.
0: You know, and I think that happens for two reasons. Um, you know, I think I—I I don't see a lot of that during like I don't use I don't even, I don't even like using peaceful protests. Just during protests, normally I. I don't see a lot of that I do see law enforcement in in their in their uh in their in their outfits the protest outfits um and like I said, I already covered that I think that that's okay if they're going to be protecting certain sites um, now when things start getting hectic and I start seeing you know smashing of windows and the looting and you know essentially things turning from protest edging towards a riot phase um I do think that police are a little more militarized. And that's for one reason we, you know, there's built into our constitution. We can't deploy our military on our own soil. And I think that that's actually very, 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 very important for the American people to realize that that is why the police look the way they do sometimes is because, I mean, the last thing you want is your, is the United States government deploying, I mean, literal military uh, soldiers, our soil against our own citizens that that can only that literally only ends I think in one way, and it would be a shame to see that happen. Um, I think it's a shame when the guard has to even do it. I don't think that the army belongs on military soil confronting citizens, and that's per that's my that's a personal belief for me. I don't think that's okay. So you know when I see and I think the I have to agree in a way that the I agree with you. I'll say it, I agree with you. The the police departments do look more hyper-militarized. And there's actually a really good book called, um, I think it's, uh, I can't, I can't think of it. Lord. I think it's the uh, Rise of the Warrior Cop. And it's basically about the militarization of police. It's a really good book, I think. Uh, I think actually more people should read it. Uh, It doesn't even agree with what I'm going to say the entire time. It agrees actually more with you as why do police look that way, that way over encounters. I think that, you know, police wear the, the vest, they wear the shin guards, the the forearm guards, the, you know, they have the helmets during these, um, more violent protests because they want to go home. I mean, it sounds cliche, but at the end of the day, they want to go home and they don't want to get hit in the back of the head with a brick without wearing a helmet. I mean, that that man would have died. You know, they don't want to get a Molotov cocktail thrown on them and they burn, you know, they, they would like to have it hit this armor, Armor falls off, the officer's okay. Um, As far as the Bearcats, I don't see those in two, like those aren't like regular patrol. You know, I think in regular patrol, I think police look like police, but definitely in these protests, I think the Bearcats are important because of a couple of facts. The most important fact is we've seen, this is more recently in 2020, um, police are getting shot at on those protest lines. When When they form those lines and they're trying to move you know, people back, and they're trying to back people off of the of certain of certain areas. They're being shot at, and the Bearcats actually serve as a pretty good protection because it's a, it's a essentially it's an up armored vehicle. It it the officers from being shot at. Um, we also saw this in Kenosha, where uh, protesters were shooting at the Bearcat and shooting at police with high powered rifles, and the police officers have to travel behind the Bearcat or inside the barricade to safely get from one side of the city to the other because they were being shot at so much. And if they were walking, I mean, we probably would have seen a a lot of tragedy come from those situations. So I, I think that the police are militarized and militarizing, especially during these moments when, you know, because of experiences like that where they say, well, you know, now we're moving from, and it's a shame, but I think we're moving from, you know, police officers during riots, Trying to quell the riot, or moving more towards trying to protect the safety of officers while also quelling the riot.
1: I understand that.
0: And, and it's a
1: shame. What's really so bad about it is that with these protests that turn into riots and looting, um, I think nine times out of 10, the people who are doing it have nothing to do with the movement whatsoever, a lot of times. And that's what makes it, it so bad. And it gives the whole protest uh, a bad name. But, all right, so as far as, and I and I hope you have some more time with me. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Oh, I have a few more questions. Absolutely. And as far as this, I'm going to give my opinion on what I think the police department needs to change in order for people to feel better about them. The police do not have a reputation of getting rid of their bad apples. So to a lot of people, there's a culture about the police department that they protect their own, so, why does it appear that the police protect each other at all costs, even if they know someone may be in the wrong?
0: You know I think that that's an old perception. Um, I myself am a newer officer I've only been off on for about three years, and from what I've seen, people call out bad apples. they really do because calling because not calling out bad apples leads us to situations like this and You know, when I say situation, I mean, it leads us to protest. No one wants a protest, riot, whatever you might have it, in their city. You know, law enforcement officers, the citizens to be happy and content, right? We don't want mass unrest. That's that's hard for us. It's actually hard for the citizens. It's hard for the city to function. So I think moving into – I think moving uh, kind of forward in 2020 especially – since, I, since I've been on since 2018, 2017, that I've noticed that there's a lot of people that will call you out if you've done something. I've seen a lot of officers be removed from the force. Um, now, a lot of those times, those officers and their names aren't published. Those bad apples aren't, you know, made public because they broke not maybe exactly criminal law, but they did something against policy or use of force policies. And those people do get removed, and those people uh, are barred from law enforcement. And like I said, that that isn't always made public um, to the media or to the or to the you know general public. And if it is public, it's not looked at with as much of an excitement as out of control police officer shoots some shoots a guy in the back. You know that it doesn't have that sensation to it. You know, no one cares. If you fired a bad apple. Okay, like it does. It seems like no one really cares. Um, but I think that that mentality and that whole, you know, you know, the whole blue code protect your protect your own. I think that that is disappearing. Personally,
1: if it is, it's not visible to the general public. I mean, it's, it it appears when a police officer speaks out. Then they end up being the one that loses their job. Um, In some of the more high-profile cases, like a a Carol Horn in in Buffalo, there was a guy named, I think, Justin Hanners who got fired for speaking out against illegal quotas about having to make a certain number of contacts in a month and things of that nature. And then we had the crazy situation. Uh, What was the guy's name? Was it Christopher Dorner, I think, who – wasn't able to, Who I think he complained about some things being, some corruption in the police department and somewhere in California. And then he ended up taking a law on his own hands and killing people, which was made it even more tragic and they ended up getting killed himself. But it's like, when you see police officers speak up, it doesn't appear that there's a good ending for them. It's almost like they're looked at as traitors and before you know it, they're out of a job or something. And I, I know that there are good, police officers out there and i mean i have a neighbor who was one for decades before he got um, i think promoted to detective and now his son is um recently got promoted to um the chief of police of a patrol a reservoir patrol near my home but it's like how can how come wrong just can't be wrong like you said balls and strikes out of all of the high profile police brutality cases we've seen in just the last five years i don't recall seeing a police department that really condemns the act of a fellow officer. I, I mean, and these incidents happen, and even the police officers who are present at the scene act like Stevie Wonder. Like, they, don't, they didn't see or know anything. I mean, so how can society trust the police when they rarely appear to uphold justice within their own departments?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. And I think that police departments need to make it more vocal, you know, whether they approve or disapprove of, of certain officers' actions. And I think that, you know, they need to make it more vocal when they remove and charge these officers. Um, I think that a lot of times, all these police departments that I've seen, you know, what they want to do is get space. They want space from that officer. They don't want to associate, they don't want to be, you know, in connection with. And I think that that's a wrong move because. This person's already part of your out You've already hired them. They've already worn your badge. They've already worn your uniform. You can't get space from that. Your name's all over it. So I think that police departments need to start being more vocal. And honestly, I think these, I think police union needs are being more vocal um, about one, police reform and police change, and two, um, when when these balls and strikes happen. I think that. Police departments really need to start stepping up and saying, hey, the shooting was justified. We're not going to fire him. We're not going to punish him. We're sorry. I know you're upset. I know you're mad. But we can't do that because they have to, have to defend themselves. Or they need to say, hey, that guy was out of line. Um, what he did was not within the confines of the law or policy. He's been fired. He's been charged. We'll let the legal system work it out. And I think it just needs to be that simple.
1: I agree, and I think that um, the police departments or the mayor or whoever decides to be the spokesperson for these incidents need to wait until all the evidence is in before they really release this. There's such a rush to release a statement, and because you don't want to necessarily be liable for something that may have been justified, I mean, people come out and it seems like they're protecting the police department without even knowing all the facts where I think that the best thing to do is say hey let us get all the evidence um, together let's do our investigation before we make any type of formal statement and it, because it just I don't know it just sounds bad I think because people are coming are kind of rushing to the microphone to give you something when they really don't have anything at all and too many cities are running like a business instead of running like a city and they're too concerned about liabilities and lawsuits instead of doing the right thing and that makes it difficult too. So I'll ask you one last question. We'll get ready to wrap things up. And it's a fairly simple question, but um, if you have to take a second to think about it, that's fine. But what is your opinion of the phrases blue lives matter and black lives matter?
0: I don't need a second for either of that. Um, I just like them both. So, you know, I just like them both for one simple reason. They're both semantical overloads and and that's all it is. you know, I always tell people if you put on a piece of paper in front of me, Black Lives Matter, and circle yes or no, I'm gonna circle yes every time, every time. Um, the the same way if you put it in front of me anybody mattering, I'm gonna circle yes every time because I think that individuals just people just matter. I mean, you can't say people don't matter. I mean that's just not right. And but you know if you ask me, well will you march with Black Lives Matter? Well no I won't because I don't always support their actions. And they you know that. So for me, it becomes more of, you know, it's less of the phrasing and more of what does it mean. And for me, what it should mean is very simply Black people matter. And we would like to see change in the Black community. But what it ends up meaning is meeting the demands of all Black Lives it Matters demands, and I don't. There's certain things they say that I just don't agree with. So when people always ask me, would you support Black Lives Matter? I'm always like, well, do you want the short answer or the long answer? Because they're both pretty long. Um, you know, as far as, you know, other movements like All Lives Matter and, you know, things of that nature, you know, I think that I think that if you're going to make a slogan and chant it at people, they're going to make one back, if I'm going to be fair. Do I think that those things were acted as counter-protest? Yes, I do. But do I think that they're also used? As counter slogans, absolutely. Because if you start shouting something at somebody, they're going to shout something back, especially when people think you're basically calling them racist. Because that's what I've seen a lot is, you know, if you don't support Black Lives Matter, well, now you're racist. And it's like, well, I don't know about that. It's just more of, you know, people don't always get behind what, um, what you're standing for. And as far as the Blue Lives Matter one, you know, I get it. I get when people say, you know, blue lives aren't lives. And I always tell people, be careful when you say that. Because, I mean, when people put on the uniform, they're prepared to do 30 years. They're prepared to lay their life down. Now, am I saying that people are blue? No, they're not blue. The uniform comes off. The same way I'm a black man that's a police officer. And when I turn that uniform off, I'm still a black man. I'm also still a police officer. Um, you know, I think... People kind of pick and choose when law enforcement's law enforcement. You know, I, I've heard a lot. Well, you're a cop 24/7. You never take off the uniform. Okay, so then I'm I'm always in the blue, but I'm always also black, and I think that it's becoming a very very hard line to walk being a black police officer. But you know, I think that um. I don't know that that one's actually more complicated than you meant it to be because when you start thinking about it, on one hand, I mean, it's not saying it's Black Lives Matter because Black people are literally Black. Um, blue people or Blue Lives Matter people aren't literally blue. <laughs> so I, I don't know that that question's a little more complicated. But I have to say that I I dislike I dislike all those little hashtags, quick slogan, clickbait here type of things. I I dislike them. Um, But I will say that, I I mean, I do support, you know, that black lives do matter, and I do support that there needs to be reform and change in the police department. Sounds good to me. And I I also think that
1: people need to understand, a lot of people want to just call everything racist. And everything is not necessarily racist. Like, in in situations where maybe a white cop shoots a black citizen, it doesn't mean, in my opinion— That, okay, he just woke up that morning and said, I'm going to shoot a black guy today. I don't think that it happens. I think there may be certain prejudices where maybe there's more fear in dealing with a a black person as opposed to a white person. And, I I mean, I don't know. That's debatable, I guess. And maybe it will take a psychologist or someone to figure that out. But I do think there are certain prejudices. But I think maybe a prejudice is different than someone who's racist. I think racist is thrown around a lot. And then as far as the um, uh, the phrases blue lives matter and black lives matter, I do agree with you that at some point it just becomes something that's catchy or trendy that so will maybe get you some responses on Twitter if you hashtag it. And it's definitely lost its meaning because I look at black lives matter more so as a movement than any type of organization yet, you know, like a lot of things in this world has been turned into a business and I don't even know if it's, Black owned, to be honest with you, <laughs> I don't know. Who, I don't even know who controls Black Lives Matter. I know a lot of these marches. Most of the people I see are white, so I, I can't figure it out. But I do think that the the message is is important because there are a lot of times as a black person, it doesn't seem that your your life matters to anyone outside of your household, and that's kind of a shame. And hopefully, we can get past that someday. But I I, I definitely want to take the time to. Thank you, Lamar. I mean, give you a round of applause here. This has been um, very eye-opening, and I I think you made a lot of good points. And I want my listeners to get different perspectives because I don't want to be Fox News. I don't want to be MSNBC when I'm giving the same angle, the same perspective to everything. I want people to be able to hear things from all sides. And um, I think that you've done that today, and I truly appreciate you taking the
0: time. Oh, no problem. I I appreciate you having me on a lot. Um, and like I said, I you know, I have my own show, uh, Views from the Arch. And like I said, the people I interview or people I'm going to start interviewing, I, I, I don't want it to be a handshaking contest the whole time. I, I do like hearing other people's uh, opinions. I like people making me think, make me think things through, which some of your questions definitely had me kind of, kind of looking back like, huh, I guess I should probably think about that more often. So I appreciate that, and I really appreciate you uh, having me on your show today, Q. And that's going
1: to do it for this T2Q podcast. Go to talktheq.com and that way you can sign up for the email newsletter and be alerted to new shows as they come out. I'm on Twitter at TalkTheQ and that's Talk, the number two, Q. So I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast of T2Q and I'll see you next time.